Hello, world. This is an encore presentation of one of our favorite Spartacle episodes ever. You are welcome. Welcome to the Spartacle Podcast, where we take a good article and make it gooder. As you well know, Brandon, because you're a spiritual person, we are in the Lenten season. Uh, we decided throughout the season we were going to try at least one time a week to stop the nonsense and add some spirituality into our discussions. We like to pull from our favorite Franciscan friar, Father Richard Rohr, so we do again this week. I feel like it's a pretty common idea, but maybe it's not. His is from his book, Divine Dance. Rohr says, we have to break through our ideas about God to find out who God really is. Our early and spontaneous images of God are typically a mixture of our experiences with our own mothers and fathers. If your mother was harshly critical, so is God. If our father was domineering or authoritative, so is God. It's almost tragic to witness how many people are afraid of God, experience God as cold and absent, even have a sense of God as someone who might hurt and betray them because that's who their parents were. That does seem like a pretty obvious thing to grasp. However you your parent treated you is how you think that represents God. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. I know you and I are both on this sort of path that's probably different than a lot of people in in terms of rules. Um, I think people love rules, and religion oftentimes is, is, for many people, it's just this great rule book that people can use and lord over each other. Oh, you shouldn't do that. I mean, God is a man and you yeah. need to understand that. I mean, so it makes them feel more comfortable. It's it's hard for people that live in that rule-based mentality to say, well, is it is it just possible that there might be more to this? I love what he said. Like, if you take a second step back and think about it, you're like, yeah, God, if, when I think about God, that is like my dad and my mom. Totally. And I spend my lifetime trying to trying to reframe God because God isn't my mom and dad. God is bigger than that, but God is a creator. He he talks about the sort of the pyramid that we mostly put in the church and and for historically speaking we put God at the top of the pyramid, kind of everything else flows behind it as opposed to thinking about it in a true trinity that God is uh you know that is everything, the feminine, the masculine, the father, the son, the holy spirit, all that stuff is wrapped into one creation as a Christian understanding of it, it kind of removes the parental part, right? Because it's everything in one. It's not just simply, here's God at the top of the pyramid and he's my dad or my mom, depending on how I looked at that. Um, it's it's really interesting to me. I know that both of us could have conversations with people we intimately know and talk about the idea that you're. You, if we said, we don't know if God is man or woman, right? Male or female, they would lose their minds. Absolutely yeah. lose their <clears throat> minds. And you're going to hell and you're broken rules Damn and it. you're doing this. And, and, and at the end of the day, it's like, well, why do you think that way? Why do you think that God is only man? Okay. So here's what I would say that let's just believe you believe in God for a second. And God made the brain set up the system to begin with. It does seem totally human to make something seem reasonable about God. That is kind of hard to explain to begin with. Like, so if you're a, a person and you're trying to figure out who God is, you just sort of assign him to the kind of most powerful person in your life. So it does, I'm not saying it's whacked out. It makes sense. Yeah, no, I think it does make sense. There's no question. I mean, we talked about that and maybe it was last week we talked about the Greeks believing in Zeus 
throwing down lightning bolts because yeah. it made it helped them make sense. God, in many ways, one's image of God is formed to help us understand our place in a mist in a mystery. Like the world is a yes. mystery, the universe is yes. a mystery. So it helps us to sort of frame yes. it. And so I guess the problem I have with folks in general is when they start attributing their need for things to make sense to an unfathomable mystery. Like they say, well, it says in Leviticus X, you need to do this, or it says in the Quran, you need to do this. And, and I would go back now, the Quran's interesting because Muslims believe that, that the angel Gabriel spoke the Quran to Muhammad. So it's actually the word of God. Christians believe it was inspired by God. So whatever you think, you know, if, if you're a Christian who says, no, God said this, therefore we need to follow this rule book. I am of the mind that human beings said it, perhaps inspired by God. And I think that it, that they were, and many times they were inspired by God, but I, I don't look at it as a rule book anymore. I really don't because well, I, I think it removes the finding God's love in that. Kind of back to this point again, though, like, right, God set up the system in the first place and set up the brain to try to make things seem reasonable and okay. So our brains are constantly trying to make things seem reasonable as the Bojas is saying God is uh, infinity. Yeah, and he talk, and Roar talks about in that same article, in that same reading, he talks about how we experience God in very many different ways, right? Some people experience it in the Virgin Mary uh, as the ultimate mother. Some people um, experience it as, you know, this powerful patriarchal father, um, and and oftentimes it's how we experience it most powerfully is how we frame God. So that, that they're, i.e., our parents, right? And he, and I think what Roar's saying is take a step back from your initial experience and, yeah. and think about if God is this sort of Trinitarian <clears throat> form. We're talking about the Christian understanding of God. Then you you have to you're gonna have to take a step back and think about this. You cannot just rely on the rule book. Okay. Th- th- I completely agree with you, but let's just say you come from a divorced family and your dad walked out on you when you were three o'clock or three, uh, you're three years old, that immense emotion that you felt of abandonment your whole life. You probably are filling with all sorts of other things. You're just doing, doing, doing. So you don't have to feel that abandonment. How do you then take a moment? How do you, beca- how do you, are you a person to take a moment to take a deep breath to realize that you're doing because of the hurt, because the abandoned that you meant you felt when you were three years old. Well, I mean, he says, you know, humanity's capacity to disguise our own flaws, even through religion seems endless, right? That yes. if you were abandoned yes. at three years old, there are, there. how do you deal with that? You go see a shrink. You well, pray yeah. about it. You, you get help. You, you have to start, I, in my opinion, you have to start by reflection to say, well, if I know that I'm impacted by certain things, I can't just kind of walk around blindly and think that the things that I'm doing are just, well, it's just happenstance. It's not happenstance. You were, you were, you, maybe you were bullied as a kid and that's the way why you have certain feelings about things. Maybe your, your parents were domineering and that's why you have to take a step back and try to understand what formed you, in my opinion, in order to truly find the real God, right? That God wants us to remove those as as Paul says, the scales from our eyes, right? That we must, and I, and I believe that that's what Jesus was trying to do, was trying to say, listen, t- remove this stuff. Remove all these things you've put on yourself to understand 
what God really is. I think that's what the Beatitudes is, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the, you know, all those things, the Beatitudes were all about people that suffered and struggled. And he's like, quit looking at those struggles as a bad thing and start understanding that those struggles help you draw closer to God rather than further away. I remember the first time you used the term second half of life with me, you were kind of joking with me. You're like, Larry, you'll never be a second half of life person. But, you know, when you're a young person, all your time is spent building your reputation up the hill and you don't have a lot of time. And it's only when you get to that second part where you can take a deep breath and reflect and see all that has hurt you and comes into who you are. So you have to build in time, which I don't think is easy to do when you're a first half of life person to take the deep breath to let the universe affect who you are and see how you aren't the person that you were when you were a kid. Yeah, and I think there's also one other piece to this puzzle, and I've seen this with a lot of people, is that because we come so entrenched in our thinking, we say, well, this is how it is. Yes. When, when it, to, in order to go to that second half of life, I think a lot of people, especially re- deeply religious people, they say, oh, that's a trick. It's a trick. You're trying to get me to leave what is true for what's false. But yeah. I, then I would say to them, well, why are you even having these questions and doubts then? Because ultimately, God is probing into your heart. That's that's my honest opinion is that if you're, if you're taking time to think about things, you're going to come to the situation where you start to doubt these structures that were very important when you were younger that are not important uh, as, you, as you age. They just change as we get older. I always thought of God as like Cookie Monster. From Sesame Street. That's my <laughs> idea, right? Brandon, thank you for teaching me.